It's episode 105 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show. This podcast provides the tools you need to create your own expression of a healthy ketogenic lifestyle so you can stop obsessing and start living. I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. Now let's get on with the show. Let me take just a quick second here to tell you about another great offer coming from our friends over at ButcherBox. You all know by now that the quality of your meat matters so, so much to the health of your body, to your family's body, to your future health. The health and happiness of the animal you are consuming equals the health and happiness of your own body. That's really the simplest, easiest way to think about it. So you always want to make sure you can get the best quality meat for you and your family that you can afford. ButcherBox is the go-to source for the highest quality, best tasting meat sourced from these happy and healthy animals. And they've made it very affordable in order for you to get these meats delivered right to your door every single month. So you don't have to worry about sifting through the grocery store trying to find those meats that actually fit the bill. Because I can tell you from experience, it is becoming harder and harder to find these 100% grass-fed, grass-finished beef, the pasture-raised chicken, the heritage breed pork. You just can't find that in grocery stores stores these days. You can get this all at ButcherBox because they are doing it right and sending it to your door so you don't have to worry about it. ButcherBox is having a super special promo right now through July 7th, 2019 only. It is my favorite promo they ever do all year. It's their free bacon for life promo. That's right. Every single time you get a ButcherBox box of meat, It will include a free pack of bacon forever for as long as you have that subscription service. Head to butcherbox.com slash KFW to cash in on your free bacon. That's butcherbox.com slash KFW. Their bacon is uncured, applewood smoked, free of added sugar and nitrates. It's Whole30 approved and their customers, me being one of them, say it is the best they've ever tasted. Butcherbox.com slash KFW through July 7th to get your free bacon. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, for joining me on this episode of Keto for Women. Today, we have a very, very special guest, someone that is near and dear to my heart and I know to a lot of your hearts as well, someone that has been on the show two times in the past and is coming back for number three today to talk about a whole new subject on the Keto for Women show, although it is something we've discussed quite often, and that is in intuitive eating. And for me, it's a hard thing to talk about and a hard thing to teach because it's something that is just innate in each and every one of you. So I have a hard time trying to communicate how to tap into that innate wisdom and intuition. But my friend Stephanie Dodier has 
the tools that you need to become an intuitive eater and really to become intuitive in every aspect of your life. And that is what we are going to get into today. If you have ever been on any sort of diet, which I think probably all of you have, or any sort of workout routine or anything where you were in your head and not connecting your brain to your body, you need to listen to every single word of this show and take it to heart. Take notes, go back and listen again. This has to sink in for you. It will make all the difference in the world for me. I know a lot of you know my story and that I have had my own journey to find my intuition and use that in everything I do today. And it is truly life-changing. Stephanie has a very similar story, which she'll get into in her episode here today. Real quick, before we get into this interview, because I really just want to dive in as soon as we can, I just want to remind you all that the Fat Burning Female Project July class is coming up very, very quickly. You can now see on my website, seanminer.com, head to the project tab there. You will see the changes that we've made to the course and the option to become a VIP member starting in July. So get your thinking caps on now. Try to figure out which one sounds best for you. If you want to go the project route, the self-study, of course, is always available too. Or do you want to become a VIP member and actually connect with me twice during that six-week time frame in a video chat? So that's up there now. You can head over there and make sure you get on the newsletter list if you want to know exactly when it opens for enrollment. That is the only way you will know it's open is because I will send you a little email as soon as it is. This is Jess Betancourt, the host of DNA ID, the only true crime podcast that exclusively covers cases solved using forensic genealogy. DNA ID goes behind the headlines to answer your questions about this remarkable new crime-solving tool, how it works, how cases are selected, why the cases were unsolved for so long, and how the justice system is addressing it. I include input from law enforcement to give you the inside scoop that we all crave with a straightforward, no-nonsense delivery. You can find DNA ID on any podcast platform. Episodes come out weekly on Mondays. All right, let's get into today's episode. A quick intro about Stephanie. She is a clinical nutritionist, intuitive eating, and body acceptance expert, a teacher to her clients and students, the host of the Going Beyond the Food Show, a top-rated wellness podcast, and creator of the Going Beyond the Food Method, which was born from her own journey with weight loss, food and body image, and has since grown into a global movement. She believes that women can reclaim control of their health and life by transforming their relationship with food and their body and live confidently through learning to trust and respect their innate body wisdom. All right, let's chat with Stephanie. My girl, Steph, you're on the show once again with me. Number three. I'm like pumping my hair. You are the winner. The ultimate winner of the Keto for Women show, best guest award. Oh, thank you. I got an (laughs) award out of this. Yay. Well, I mean, I think really in a past life, we probably had a podcast together or back then, who knows what it was, but we definitely have such a connection both as friends, but also as practitioners and what we stand for, what we believe, 
what we want to teach and put out into the world. So it only makes sense that you would continue to come on the Keto for Women show and teach us what you are doing right now. So for those that haven't listened to the past episodes, which I'm sure there's not that many of you out there, but let's hear a little bit about Steph and what you're currently up to and how you got here. So let's wind back the clock very shortly. My life with engagement with food began at the age of nine when I started to use food to combat loneliness. When my family moved from one end of town to the other, had no friends, started to bake and to make pies and cookies and was filling up my time with food. And that became something that I carried with me my whole life. And I started to gain weight. And then I ended up at Weight Watcher at 12. And that was the official launch of my dieting career. So from 12 to 37, 38 years old, I dieted all the time. Consequently to that, I did lose some weight because dieting works. It works temporarily. So I lost weight, gained weight, lost weight, gained weight, lost weight, gained weight until my body couldn't take it anymore. And then I collapsed on stage at 37 at the top and the peak of my corporate career. And that launched me into the world of natural health and wellness because I was diagnosed with five chronic conditions and prescribed five different medications. And my intuition, which I didn't know at the time was that, but there was something in me telling me not to take the medication and find another solution. And that propelled me into the world of natural healing with naturopathy and food. And that then led me to enter the world of paleo and help myself lose weight once more, which I thought was the gateway to health. And then I got there and I wasn't healthier like I still have massive adrenal issue, hormonal dysfunction, although I had lost this whole amount of weight. And then that propelled me into understanding that there was something beyond food. And that's the name of my business is going beyond the food, where we now teach that philosophy and also with the gateway of intuitive eating and body acceptance. And just from that story, I think everyone can understand why we are so close, why we are such good friends and good partners in crime here in the businesses that we run, because I probably say in every single episode of the Keto for Women show that you have to go beyond the food. It's yes. more than just your diet. It's more than just your food, what you're putting on the plate. Of course, we all understand, and you and I as nutritionists understand it best, that food is a incredible healer. Absolutely. It does great things. Food is medicine. But your mentality around food is just as important, if not more important, to that healing process, which I don't think very many women are currently doing. No. And I think you would agree with me. You see that quite often in your practice, right? Absolutely. So I think it stems from the current culture we live in. So there's many things we can talk about, but just let's talk about allopathic medicine, for example. So in the last 150 years, medicine has evolved to be very science-driven because technology has improved and allowing us to use testing and x-rays. So medical culture tells us that we are a physical body that we can test and probe and cut as a mean of achieving health. Where if we reflect back, which both of us are trained into holistic medicine, and we say, what was before that? Like, how was medicine before the last 150 years when we didn't have all those tools? Well, medicine was what we call the four layer of the human being, or otherwise known as the four bodies. 
It was, yes, the physical body, but the healers or the doctor of the time were also considering the emotional part of the human being, the mental part, and the spiritual part. And even further than that, there was a preventative medicine. So by the time somebody got sick, there was very little we could do. So the goal of medicine for thousands and thousands of years, we have traces of traditional Chinese medicine or Ayurvedic medicine for more than 5,000 years, was always to prevent disease. Because mm-hmm. by the time people got sick, it was pretty much done. Now, fortunately today with modern medicine, we can help people. The problem is we let go of the prevention and the mental, emotional, and spiritual aspect in healing. And that's what we are both strong into. Oh, it's so true. And good thing there are people like us who are bringing back the clock, so to speak, yes, and really teaching this new new slash old method of healing. So you've been on the podcast before. We've talked about emotional eating. We've talked about body neutrality and body acceptance. We've talked about binge eating. We've talked about so much. And you have so many, like, I guess, specialties almost. Like you're just so good at this kind of stuff that quite frankly, there aren't that many people talking about and especially not in the way that you approach it. So I love picking your brain on this stuff all the time. You've even been a guest in the Fat Burning Female Project talking about this stuff and answering our ladies questions there, which I'm so grateful for. But today I need your help because we need to talk about intuitive eating. And this is something you are actually trained in teaching. And I talk about how to be intuitive or that we should be intuitive with our approach to keto, with our approach to food, with our approach to exercise, everything, your entire existence should be coming from this place of intuition. But then when I go to try to explain how to do it, it's really hard. It is mm-hmm. probably the hardest thing I've ever tried to teach because I be, it's you, it's your body. You need to be intuitive with your body. And in order to do that, you just have to get in touch with yourself. But people have no idea what that means. And quite frankly, I didn't either up until I got really sick. And about two and a half, three years ago now, when I had to be intuitive, that was the only thing that was going to heal me. That's when I finally learned. But up until then, I had no idea what that meant. Mm -hmm. So I want to see if we can break this down for the ladies that are trying to be intuitive with keto or whatever diet they're doing, their movement patterns, their sleep, just everything with their healing. Let's break it down so that we can understand how to actually do that. So my first question for you is, what in your words does it mean to be intuitive? Intuitive eating, we'll go down this path. Intuitive eating is a self-care eating framework that connects you from your head to your body. So again, in today's world, modern society, we have become head people because everything is science-driven, facts-driven, we operate from our heads. So that's the entire framework of dieting, right? Dieting, and I want to say to dieting, it's low-fat dieting, South Beach, keto, anything that you're doing with an intention of losing weight, we'll put it in that framework of dieting. Is that cool? Yes. Dieting says to you, you have to override your natural hunger because your natural hunger got you fat. Therefore, don't connect anymore with that. Don't listen to that anymore. And we're going to give you a set of rules, calorie, macro, whatever, and then spend your time focusing on that, which is all head stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And it's even worse when you get into a, a fitness app and all of that. It's even more reinforced. Most of us have done that most of our adult life. We've dieted most. I know it's your story. It's my story. Mm-hmm. And then we're literally rewiring our brain to say, disregards body signal and then focus on external signal. The thing is, when we start doing that, we're not only doing that with food, our brain cannot say, act like this with food, and then all the other spheres of your life connect with your body signal. No, the brain doesn't function like this. It becomes everything in your life is from the head. Emotion, relationship, work, everything. And then we start looking for external guidance to everything. So to your beginning question, what is intuition? Intuition is actually tapping into this innate body wisdom, this untouchable magic that is inside every single human being. There's a science name for that. It's called interoception or awareness to innate body signal, which includes hunger and fullness. Mm-hmm. Does that help understand what intuition is? Yes. And can I just, I want to rewind way back to the very first thing you said, which was that it's an act of self-care. Yes. How cool is that? Self-care in everything, right? In every way. Every single way. And I know we'll probably talk about hormones at some point, but when we talk about being intuitive, we talk about being healthy because The human body, this machine we've been given, has the ultimate goal of us surviving as long as possible, in part to procreate and create more little human. And for that, we need to be healthy. Mm -hmm. That's the only way that we can survive is to be healthy. So your body, every single one of you listening right now, the ultimate goal of your physical body, emotional, mental, spiritual, is to keep you alive through health. The symptoms you're experiencing right now, hormones being one of the very common ones for women, is only a method of adaptation. Your weight gain is a method of adaptation to your current environment, which is mostly the big problem is stress. Would you agree with me? Yes. Big, huge yes to that. Okay, so we have a stressful environment for all good reason. Our body is trying to allow us to survive and to keep us healthy. And for that, it needs to modulate your hormone. And then we end up with hormonal issue, weight gain, and we think it's because our body's broken. No, your body's trying to keep you alive. And it adapts your hormones to keep you alive because you're not changing the real problem, which is stress in most cases. Yeah. Many, many, many cases, at least partially to blame that stress we have going on. So then your body is designed to stay healthy and it wants that. This is what I say all the time. Your body wants to be healthy probably more than you want it to be. It wants to be healthy and balanced and in homeostasis. And that is what it's trying to get to at every point. So then if we can use our intuition, our intuition is telling us exactly how to do that. Am I right? Absolutely. So your intuition is trying to tell you what to do. Mm -hmm. The problem is to connect to your mind, to give you this information. It's like, it's disconnected. It's like, it can't communicate to you. It can't intuitively send you a message 
Therefore, it's showing up otherwise through bodily symptoms, skin rashes, weight gain, inability to have a cycle. It's like the message is trying to get up there for years, likely. Like for years, the body's trying to tell you, don't do that. Don't be in that relationship. (laughs) Don't be that stressed. Don't do this. And you're like, you're not even listening because it's not getting up to your head. So that's what we call that disconnection. And it's in part, I believe, due to dieting. So your intuition, this interoceptive awareness, which is now being studied, by the way, for the last 20 years, we're able to put a name and a a kind of a science behind that. It's literally electricity going through your body, trying to give a message to your head, but you need to have the head and the shoulder connected. Mm -hmm. Does that help? Yes. Okay. So now all the ladies out there are like, this is what I want. This is what I've been trying to do. I've got to figure this out. But that seems almost impossible at this point because how many of us have been completely disconnected and completely in our head for the past 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years? I think many of us listening right now. So now we have to kind of reestablish this communication system that we've kind of lost and probably has has weakened itself quite a bit over the years. Absolutely. Can we do an exercise? We have enough time. Let's do it. We have enough time for it. You know, I love love exercise. You do. Every time you throw these exercises in. So this one can be done even if you're driving. Oh, good. We don't need to close our eyes. Yeah. Well, if if you're sitting down, close your eyes. But what we're going to do is we're going to test your ability to listen to your intuition. This is something I came up with about two months ago. So let's do that. Close your eyes, and I want you to feel your heartbeat. So I'm going to stop talking at some point so you can feel your heartbeat, but I want you to be able to feel that heartbeat, and we're going to actually count for about 10 seconds your heartbeat, and then we'll come up with an heartbeat by minute. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay, so go for it. Okay, keep that number in your head. And now we're going to actually use our finger either on our wrists, and I can't show it because we're in a visual, but on your wrists or in your neck, you can actually count the number of time your heart beat through the blood flowing through your vein. Does that make sense? So everyone find their pulse if you know how to do that, which we should all. And then we'll count it for 10 seconds again. Okay. Okay, go. And that's it. What's the number you had before and after? Can I say mine? Yeah, you go for it. Okay. Mine was eight for both. Awesome. So that's your interoceptive awareness or your ability to feel your intuition score. Ah, I love it. Only on scientific, but (laughs) that is how you can connect to those signals is by like when you were closing your eyes, you weren't touching anything. You weren't counting. Like you weren't, there was no hard signals. It was just you connecting to what your body is trying to signal to you, to your heartbeat. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yep. And, And measuring it is the actual data. So the closer the range between the two, this is a higher capacity for you to connect to your intuition. If your score is low, here's what we can do. We can simply start practicing very easy awareness technique through breathing. 
So close your eyes and keep breathing in and out and try to find this heartbeat. Your job over the next month is simply to get that number closer to each other. And the only way to do that is by closing your eyes and trying to find your heartbeat. Is that simple enough? I can see it being very hard for women who have never connected with their bodies to not know how to feel that. Like I didn't feel it in my chest where my heart is. You felt it where? I actually felt it up in my neck. Yes. So, But you know, if you're not aware of how to really connect and feel your body, you would probably blow right past that. Absolutely. Ah. Until you actually practice to connect Mm -hmm. and try to find it. So often people start and put their hand on their neck. They can barely feel the heartbeat in your neck at first. Mm -hmm. So simply staying there for like a minute and feeling it and then slowly removing your hand. And that's why the closing your eyes is so efficient because for many people, you're distracted with what's around you. So if you already have a lower internal awareness and you're driving and you did that and you fail, cool. Let's give ourselves a chance. When you get home, try to redo it again, your eyes closed where you're not disturbed by everything around you. Mm -hmm. Does that help? Yes. Okay. So then how can we then transfer that into how we eat? Absolutely. So Hunger and fullness is in part that same sensation that comes in through the body. Mm-hmm. So let's establish a fact. We are all born intuitive eater. No matter how broken you think you are, you still have it within you. All babies are born. If you've had a baby or have been around the baby, they're born intuitive eaters. So what happened when they're hungry? They cry. They don't know what else to do. They just know to cry. And then all of a sudden, there's a bottle that appears. So then there's a connection that says, cry, feeding, cry, feeding. So what do they do every time they feel hungry? They cry, they eat, and they stop naturally. A baby will not overeat. Like you can't put that bottle back in the mouth. When they're done, they're done. And they also don't eat if they're not hungry. If you try to feed them when they're not hungry, they won't take it. Exactly. You all have that inside of you. What happens is somewhere along the line, typically between the age of eight and like 16, there's this concept that you need to like control food, either by somebody trying to overfeed you, somebody to try to control what you eat. And then there's connections that are made that you're not to follow your hunger and fullness signal. They're there. They're on the pilot light right now inside of you. So the more you practice this internal state of awareness, you will be able to feel your hunger and your fullness, which is the base of intuitive eating. Now, there's also another big factor that most people, when they talk about intuitive eating, completely forget is the satisfaction factor, Mm -hmm. which is something that dieting says no good right? You shouldn't be satisfied when you eat because that means you've ate bad food. Because we have this association in our head that being satisfied means eating forbidden food. Because that's what we did or that's what we're doing when we have overeating or binging or fall off the wagon, we go to the forbidden food. So if you want to become an intuitive eater, you have to be able to experience satisfaction also when you eat because that's part of being a naturally intuitive eater. Fullness, 
hunger and satisfaction. And so the satisfaction then comes from intuitively being able to know what sounds good, right? And what feels good in your mouth. Like how to choose your foods based on what your body wants. And it sounds good. sounds appealing. And you know you would be done with that meal and feel amazing. Yes. Like both happiness factor, satisfaction. Yes. And also flavor. So Mm -hmm. your body... If you get down to the biology of eating, your body finds satisfaction in your senses. So literally the taste bud on your tongue and in the back of your mouth needs to be stimulated for you to feel in part satisfied. It needs to smell appealing to you. Hence why different culture have different types of food. Like some of Asian food for me is appalling because of the smell of fish. Mm-hmm. Where for somebody that's born there, it's like yummy food, right? Mm -hmm. So smell, taste, bud, texture. Texture is another big one in your food. Like crunchiness is often something we crave. I know for me, chips was a big thing because I wasn't allowing myself to have crunchiness because crunchiness meant bad food. Right. So integrating crunchiness, integrating flavor through spices and herbs, smelling your food, looking at your food, your food needs to look appealing as well. If it's a blob of like gray, brown food, slop, (laughs) no good, right? So satisfaction sits within that and it sits also within your culture. So respecting and embracing your cultural background and how you were raised, certain foods that you were raised around will also bring satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even looking for all of that. Yeah. Like food that reminds you of your childhood or of a special occasion. That's why I hate when people don't go with their traditions for, you know, holidays and things like that, because you're not going to be satisfied with that. It's contentment. Yeah. Right. Right. You you carry resentment and that's a big trigger for binge eating. Mm -hmm. When you naturally have been raised around certain type of food and you deny it because you label it as good or bad and it's bad and, and it's associated with weight loss then you will build resentment and at some point willpower will give up and then you'll go to that food and overeat it because it's been forbidden. And we talked about that in the previous episode, so I don't want to spend too much time there, but that's the trigger for binge eating. Yeah. So I do want to bring that up though, that basically the downsides of not being an intuitive eater are that you Mm -hmm. are stuck in this diet cycle. So here's the thing. There's a lot of study done around eating disorder, right? So I want to bring that forward. We call that collateral damage. The thing is, many people get scared when I use the term eating disorder because they're like, I don't have an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. I don't label myself as an eating disorder, but I had disordered eating. If that makes you feel better and more acceptable, and here's what we 100% know, diet triggers disordered eating. So binge eating, compulsive eating, food addiction, emotional eating, we can go down the path of anorexia, like starving yourself are all 100% triggered by restrictive eating, which is the model of dieting. And I want to say for all the keto ladies, restrictive eating, and this is a sensitive topic, but restrictive eating is also when you restrict carbohydrate. Mm -hmm. It's not just calorie. 
is when you restrict the number or the type of carbohydrate that falls into that category as well, that triggered disordered behavior around food. While you're still putting labels on food, even if you're keto and you are trying to be, you know, very intuitive and freedom sensed keto, you're still restricting. You still have this kind of thought in the back of your head, or maybe it's in the front of your head somewhere that carbohydrates are bad or need to be restricted. I'm using air quotes with all of this, or you can only have 40 grams or, you know, there's still rules associated with a particular food group. And in order to actually be an intuitive eater, rules cannot exist. No, that's where I was looking forward to this discussion because the question really is for your audience, how do we blend keto and intuitive eating? Yes. Right. And that's a very sensitive topic and, and there's no black and white. But at the end of the day, for many people, being keto requires some type of rules. Mm-hmm. How do we move away from that to become an intuitive eater? And is there any, why would I even want to do that? Right. So here's my, I want to say to folks if you're meant to be in ketosis, which is the ultimate goal of keto, right? If you're meant to be in ketosis because that's your purpose and that's how your body feels the best, the intuitive eating process will get you there. Right. You will be in ketosis naturally. So the person who has insulin resistance and their body needs to heal the blood sugar in order to be a happy, balanced person it's not going to lead you to the bread and the pasta and the excess carbohydrates because that's not what your body needs to be in homeostasis. So you will naturally, if you are eating intuitively, tend towards that higher fat, moderate protein, lower carbohydrate plate naturally. So that's why I say, yes, you can be intuitive and be keto because if you're using your intuitive sense and that's where you need to be, you'll get there. Absolutely. So therapeutically, how do we teach intuitive eating with diabetes? For an example, is exactly that. Mm -hmm. Because when we get people to get back in their body, which is one of the foundation of intuitive eating, people sense when their blood sugar is high. They start feeling dizzy, queasy, their mind is not at the right place, they can't focus. They know that their blood sugar is high. And then part of intuitive eating is respecting your body. Right. So we'll go through, you have 10 basic principles around intuitive eating, but one of them is bodily respect. And so in feeling that your body is high in cortisol because your blood sugar is through the roof, you have to want to not feel like that. And part of that is recognizing which food leads you to that and then making a decision from a place of love instead of fear and say, you know what, I love myself enough. I don't want to feel like this. Mm -hmm. And you know what I think also is great? I want to get into these 10, so we have to stop talking. One more thing I wanted to say about that is a lot of times, especially for women that do need to heal something that has to do with blood sugar or where their blood sugar is impacting their health, like PCOS or something like that, they have cravings Mm -hmm. for those foods. But when you can eat intuitively, you can very easily tell what is a craving that's in my head versus what is a need that my body needs. Yes. Which I love the most about intuitive eating so much. You can easily decipher that. Absolutely. Because here's the thing. 
about four years ago when I started this, I used to talk about food craving all the time. What I didn't realize back then is that your food craving that are very intense are only this massive signal that your body is trying to reach you because you're so disconnected that it's giving you those powerful craving. Guess what? Before that, there was more subtle craving. There was more subtle signal, but your body can't get hold of your attention because you're so disconnected. Yeah. It's like your body really wanted to go for a walk, but then you didn't listen and you stayed lying on the couch. So now it's like, I need potato chips and ice cream. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Just one example. This episode, I want to highlight a brand I've been a fan of for a long time that I found fits very well into a ketogenic lifestyle. Fat fudge is a real ingredient performance food. It was originally created as a replacement for the sugar-laden goo packs that were being marketed to athletes for an energy boost. But we, of course, know that fat is a way better source of fuel, and so did Mary, the creator of Fat Fudge. Instead, she uses ingredients like tahini, grass-fed butter, turmeric, and maca to create a portable snack that provides lasting energy while also being anti-inflammatory and health-improving. I love having a packet of Fat Fudge before a workout or packing it to take on a hike. It really does give the energy boost you want that is fat-based instead of sugar-based. I always get questions about what to eat before a workout when you don't want to go fasted. This is the answer. Fat fudge has it, no question. To be totally honest, it's been a product I've loved for a long time, but I've been hesitant to share about it here because it does contain a little bit of real food sweetener like honey or coconut nectar, which some think are not keto approved. But the more I've been thinking, I just have really come to decide that it is super important to me to share here real keto-friendly foods that don't contain random crap ingredients or sugar-free sweeteners. They don't cause a blood sugar spike, but also won't keep you stuck on these sweet treats. And that is what fat fudge is. It is not a sweet treat. It is a performance food with just a hint of sweetness to trick your palate. I just see too many women these days relying on processed, quote unquote, keto-friendly foods that are not doing them any favors. So I have made it my mission to provide as many other options as I can for all of us who need these convenience foods, but don't want them to come from processed foods. It will be up to you to decide if this or any of the ones I suggest fit into your own keto framework. At six grams of total carbohydrates per pack, four of them coming from fiber and two coming from natural sugars like honey or coconut nectar, I would bet this will fit nicely into quite a few of your keto lifestyles. All fat fudge products are gluten-free, paleo, keto-friendly, and nut-free. Right now, their current options are original and vegan with more product variations on the way, including even a coffee-free version. The vegan option is dairy-free, so all of you, including myself, who are dairy-free keto, have a great option there, too. I do have to say, as someone who is extremely sensitive to caffeine, this is one of the ways I can get a little bit of a caffeine boost and not feel jittery or overwhelmed or anxious or any of the things that I normally experience with caffeine consumption. It's just enough without providing massive stimulation. 
Go help and support this self-funded female-run business and help support this episode of the podcast by heading to seanminer.com slash fatfudge spelled P-H-A-T-F-U-D-G-E and use code Sean for 10% off your order. That's seanminer.com slash fatfudge with a P-H and use the coupon code Sean at checkout for a 10% discount. All right. So I do want to get into these 10 kind of what are they steps, tips? How does this work? So the 10 principles of intuitive eating were created by Evelyn Triboli, which is one of the two researcher who wrote intuitive eating about 20 years ago, which is where I got my training from. And they don't make it a proprietary because they recognize that intuitive eating is just a normal human behavior around food. All they did is studied it enough to say, here's the 10 things that people must do to recover from diet culture or dieting. Mm, These are the 10 steps, if you want, that we need to kind of heal because we're big into the world of healing here for us to become a true intuitive eater. And the first one's going to hit you right in the forehead is reject diet mentality, Mm. right? And this is where you have to make a choice of saying, I'm going to love myself versus I'm going to fear of gaining weight. I'm going to fear not losing weight, gaining weight. This whole relationship of food to weight has to go away. Food has to become a pure relationship of love towards yourself, which is what you talked about in the beginning, instead of fear. Mm. And is it more important for me to be keto or just to heal myself? Because perhaps I'm going to have to eat non-keto food. Am I willing to do that? Or am I still so hang on to being keto? This label that I've put on myself is so important that I'm not willing to reject that diet mentality. And then we can do a whole segment on diet culture, right? Right. But that's the first step. So it's rejecting diet mentality. I feel like that one will take, I mean, I don't know what the other nine are, but that one's going to take some real work. It's going to take an intention, John. So the intention of love towards yourself being greater than fear. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the centric part here is, and then identifying what, why you're so afraid. So often with women, that's where I have to start. Like, talk to me about this fear. Like, what is this? Like, instead of saying, I just don't want to lose, I don't want to gain weight. Let's get deeper than this. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for you to gain weight? Like, write it down for me. And then they realize how superficial it is. They never ask themselves the question because it's constantly reinforced by society, right? That's what we call diet culture. Diet culture is this worship of thinness over anything else. And the value given to someone that is thin over someone that is big, the Mm -hmm. whole around weight stigma. So when women start like detailing why they're so afraid of gaining weight or not losing weight, they realize it's all aesthetic and it's all exterior. Yeah. There's really nothing deeper beyond just that society said that's what needs to happen. Yes. Or the most powerful one is when, when we do this exercise and then they go sit with their partner and they say, here's what I believe. I believe you're going to hate me. You're going to leave me that you're ashamed of walking with me 
in the street. And that happens often in the female-male relationship. And then the men look at them and say, what are you talking about? <laughs> like they can't even connect what's yeah. going on in their wife's head. They're like, what are you talking about? And then they realize that for the last 20 years they've been pursuing weight loss and it's just in their head. It means nothing mm-hmm. to their husband. <laughs> right. So true. Yeah, right? so true. So, so do this exercise. So reject diet mentality is the first one. Love it. And it's progressive, right? It's not like you flip on the switch. Yes. Your willingness to let it go is the first step. Then mm-hmm. after that, you can get into the process and then little by little, you're going to let it go. Two and three is honor your hunger, honor your fullness, mm-hmm. right? So when you're hungry, heat. So there's no more timetable. There's no more maximum quantity. When you're hungry, you eat and you honor that body signal. So you ask earlier, how can a woman reconnect to those signals? Well, it's like a a toddler-child relationship. Good behavior, rewarded. Do more. So when your body tells you it's hungry and you start eating, you tell your body, oh, I trust you. Oh, I trust you. And then with time, your body is going to start telling you louder and louder when you get hungry because you're actually doing what it's requesting. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with fullness. So honoring our fullness means that when we're full, we stop eating. Now, here's the thing. If you are in a restrictive mindset around food, You don't want to stop eating because that moment and that plate is your only permission to eat, right? Mm -hmm. So many women, they try to become intuitive eater, but they don't release the time window, the quantity and so forth. They're like in their head, in their subconscious mind, they're like, well, that's the only food I got to eat fast, fast, fast and get it all done and eat the entire plate because I'm not going to be able to eat for another 18 hours. So when you release all those rules, you stop eating when you're full with the permission to eat again in two hours if you need to. All of a sudden, you don't need to eat the entire plate and clean up and lick the whole damn thing because (laughs) if you're hungry again in two hours, you can eat. Yeah. How freeing is that? And it also requires mindful eating. So you're paying attention while you're eating. You're not on your phone. You're not on your computer. You're not mindlessly shoving food down your throat. You're paying attention and making sure each bite still sounds good. Yes, right. And it's pleasurable. Mm-hmm. And when you're when you don't want to eat anymore, when your body's done, you'll have a bite or five bites left, however many bites left, and you just won't want it. Yes, because you're satisfied with the food you chose to eat as well. Right right? You're stimulated from all angles. Like your plate looks good. There's crunchiness in it. So there's softness and it's like a whole beautiful experience. And because your food is no longer a mean of weight loss, then this relationship gets really interesting, amusing, and satisfying. So that's number three. Number four is challenge the food police. Mm. When we get into our head, because so we may reject diet mentality, but we still hold on to certain foods are bad and certain foods are good. And this is something when I coach people on, it usually takes like three or four weeks before all their rules comes out. Like sugar is poison. That's a big one, right? People still believe intrinsically that food is good or bad. 
Now, we can get into the whole world of nutrition science, but bottom line is this, we don't eat nutrients, we eat food. So yes, high fructose corn syrup, and I know you did a show on that recently, right? Kind of, yes. Going right? to, but yeah. Or no, I think it was fructose, right? You yes, tackled? fructose. Mm-hmm. Fructose right. in high fructose corn syrup form is bad for you, but in a large quantity. Like if you eat it day in and day out in large quantity. But if you have half a teaspoon mixed in into a donut, it's not going to kill you right then and there. Mm-hmm. Problem is the way that science is marketed, food science is marketing, it's make it sound like even a drop of high corn fructose syrup will kill you, which is in fact totally false. So you need to start analyzing these and really dropping that food police and realizing that you eat food, you don't eat nutrients, and then dropping these mental thoughts that are constantly coming up about good or bad. And you'd kind of have to ignore all the media and the marketing and all that stuff that's everywhere out there. That's the worst offender. Absolutely. Well, it's funny because I just did a video for one of my group and maybe I'll send you the link. There's a great article from Chris Cresser. I'm sure you value his work. Mm-hmm. He wrote this long two part article about how BS is food science mm. and how you shouldn't listen to it. So I'll send you the link so you can attach. Cool. It. Yeah. I love that. But don't follow food science. It's just a bunch of garbage. Love it. At the end of the day, if you eat real food, most of the time without obsession, you're fine. Which is innately going to be what satisfies you. Bingo. Yeah. The food that we're meant to consume. Yes. So make peace with food and also be challenging onto the food police. And then we move on to body respect. So respect your body. What does that mean? And that's a big one. Respect your body means that you are tapping into those messages. So for an example, you perhaps eat a donut and all of a sudden you start feeling dizzy, right? Because your capacity, your personal capacity to handle the sugar is not there. And then you start having to stop working because you can't concentrate. Is that something that you want more in your life? Is that feeling in your body and the way your body is helping you and enabling you to achieve the life that you want? Is that how you want to feel every single day? And is that respectful for your body? The other part of body respect is this whole acceptance, body acceptance, which is huge, right? So when we tackle intuitive eating, we also start looking at how we accept our body for what it is today. And that goes for any body size and shape that you're 10, that you're a large woman, that you're an extra large woman. Can you accept your body for what it is today? Now, I teach body neutrality. Body neutrality is that bridge between body shaming and body positivity. Body neutrality teaches you to see your body as not good, not bad, but instead a vehicle that carries you through life. Mm-hmm. It's that state of being okay with what is. And it's about also detaching your personal self-worth, your value as a human being from your physical body. And that's unfortunately where most women are. Yes. We don't value your brain, your ability to be compassionate, your other skill set. 
our entire value is linked to what our body looks like. And that's why it becomes a chase for weight loss because what we're really chasing is our self-worth. The first step into this, if you're caught into this, is just your willingness to go through the process of accepting your body. That's the first step. And that's 50% of the work. If you can be willing to learn, we'll teach you. Like there's books out there, there's blogs, there's program, we'll teach you. But the first step you have to do is be willing to accept your body and go through understanding that you are not your physical body. You are way more than that. And I think the best thing about body acceptance and body neutrality, and you said it too, is it's just each day. So if you don't know if you can do it forever, one day at a time, all we're asking is today, I'm going to be accepting and neutral about my body tomorrow. You know, every single day you take it as one day at a time. So it's not, it doesn't seem as hard or complicated when you know, you just have to do it for the day in that present moment. And I want to say for those of you who are doing this right now, body neutrality, as opposed to body positivity will allow you to have bad days. Mm. Body neutrality allows you to not like your ties and your cellulite today because it's not where your worth is, right? And it's not about being perfect. It's very similar to meditation, right? People avoid meditation because they're like, I can't clear my mind. Well, the goal of meditation is not to clear your mind, is to learn to master your thinking, right? Right. So body neutrality is the same process. It's not about loving your body. It's about learning to live with your body. Right. Oh, love it. So the next one is exercise, Mm. right? So I know you're big on that, right? Yes. Big smile over here. Right? So many women have a belief that exercise is about weight loss. I had that for 25 plus years. Me too. In my head, exercise was a factor into me maintaining my weight or losing weight. It wasn't about having a beautiful life and having pleasure and having endorphins. It's not about enjoying the process. It was actually meant to hurt and to be painful. It actually created a lot of trauma in my life around exercise. So resetting your relationship to exercise is part of intuitive eating. It's about finding the way you can move your body that makes you feel good, no matter what it is. It could be as simple as walking. It's about the movement, not about the result. Yes. And it's about finding joy. I want to take it a step further beyond the movement. It's about doing something that brings you pleasure. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes. So because we, for many of us, we need to rewire the relationship to exercise and simply just doing movement, if you don't enjoy it, won't rewire that relationship long-term. So it's about finding what you enjoy doing. And for many of us, it's testing a bunch of stuff, right? Until we find something that it's not no longer have to, but want to do. Yes. Which is a big thing. So important. So, so important. And the last one, the last principle is about honoring your health or gentle nutrition. So Evelyn Triboli teaches it as gentle nutrition. I like to say it's about chasing health 
instead of chasing weight loss. Mm -hmm. This is when we can start talking about, once you've gone through the rest and you're at peace with food, you can eat the donut in front of you without feeling guilty, all these things, and then you've released the diet mentality, then we can start saying, you know what? Perhaps if you have an autoimmune condition, we perhaps need to consider doing a gut healing protocol for eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to enter into therapeutic nutrition from a place of love, not from a place of, I need to heal my gut so I balance my hormone and I lose weight. Right. You see the difference between the two? Yes. Because many of us, we have to be really honest, we don't do a gut healing protocol to heal our gut. We hope at the end that we're going to lose weight. Yeah, that we'll stop being bloated, that we'll lose the weight because our bodies won't be out of balance anymore. Yes. And then we're going to heal our hormone. That's why hormone healing is so trendy right now. Mm-hmm. And when you're like really, really, really honest, it's about losing weight. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? Balancing my hormones means I'm going to be in a healthy body. And we'll talk, I'd love to tackle that. Being in a healthy body means I'm going to release the weight. Mm-hmm. Do you hear that a lot? Yeah. Oh, daily. Right? Yes, Releasing daily. the weight is the fancy way of saying weight loss without saying weight loss. So if you're saying that right now, I may offend you, but I'm saying you're still is about weight loss. Mm -hmm. Because a healthy body does not mean you're going to release weight. And I'm the prime example of that. I live in all the standards of health in a healthy body, but I'm not releasing weight. Why? Many things, genetic, but also the fact that I've died in my entire life. And I have a set point now that is much higher than what the standard of society should be because that's a consequence of what I've been doing my entire life in dieting. So honoring your health might also mean that you're not going to lose weight. And the only way for you to not suffer from that is to accept your body. Mm-hmm. And truly do what you're going to do and what your intuition is guiding you to do from a place of health. From a place of love instead of fear. Right. Yes. And really wanting to work on your health and to be as healthy as you can with whether that means you're going to lose weight or not. And I want to bring it a step further. Working on our health, I'm going to challenge many people here, but working on our health might not mean doing anything about your physical body. It might mean working on your past trauma. It might mean working on your emotion. It might mean mastering your thinking. It might mean reconnecting to your spirituality, whatever it is for you. That could be working on your health. That is what's needed for the vast majority of women listening. I can tell you that with certainty. And I think you're the, probably the expert on this because you see it every day, right? People do programs and they're still challenged. Like program after program after program. Yes, for sure. And they're still having issues. Well, think about this. So we started at the very beginning of the podcast to say the human has four bodies. We have four layers to ourselves, which have been recognized throughout history and have been forgotten in the last 150 years because we became so focused on the physical body. Well, a simple equation would say 75% of your health is not in your body. How shocking is that? I would agree with that. I really would. 
But do you realize how shocking it is for your listener? They're like, what do you mean? The last 25 years of my life have been a waste. (laughs) If you would have told me that five years ago, I would have thought you were crazy. Yes. So can we go through the hormone example? Another thing, another quick exercise that I had to come up with to teach that. So people are very focused on food giving me hormonal health. Now, if you take a pathology class or biochemistry class, you will learn the pathway of creation of hormones. And here's how it goes down. You live your life, and then there's an external signal that happens in your environment. We'll take stress because that's the most common one. You go about your life. You may be perhaps sitting behind your cubicle and your laptop, and all of a sudden, an email from your boss comes in into your inbox, and then it's flagged in red, and all of a sudden, you start feeling stress. Mm -hmm. What happened there? There's a trigger in your environment. There's an association. There's a perspective in your head that your boss is very important and perhaps you have a bad relationship with it. The email comes in. It gets an interpretation based on your belief, based on your past experience, and that attach a bad notion to that email coming in. And it triggers your survival your emotional survival, right? Something perhaps bad can happen. And that signal that goes through your nervous system, it's literally an electrical signal from your head, your brain, to your gland, through your nervous system. And then in our case, it's the adrenal gland on your kidney. So it travels, this is like milliseconds, right? From the time the inbox, the email comes in, travels to your adrenal gland, and then it gives a command to your adrenal glands to create cortisol. Then cortisol gets flooded into your stream of blood, and then your body is programmed when it sees cortisol to do certain things. Very simple thing that it does, you cringe your shoulder. If you were to see me right now, the shoulder comes up, right? Mm -hmm. And then you start breathing faster. Heart rate increases, yeah. What started it? The event in your life and your perception of it, your emotions around it, your thoughts around it. You can eat the most perfect diet. And if you're not dealing with your emotion, your thoughts, your perception, you will forever be in a state of adrenal fatigue. Mm-hmm. No matter what you eat, it's about your reaction to that. Yes. And what triggers it is your thinking. And then your thinking creates your emotion that then gets shuffled down your nervous system into your adrenal gland. So if you're looking to heal your hormones and you're totally bypassing your emotional intelligence, your ability to master your thinking, and even your connection to your spirituality, then you will forever have to be on the AIP protocol, on a stress-reducing diet, on taking sauna every single day, and whatever you're doing, because you're not dealing with the real issue, which is how you perceive the situation. Mm-hmm. So, so true. That is such a good example. All right. So we obviously could talk for four more hours, but we cannot. Mm-hmm. but you do have a lot of resources for ladies about this topic. You have a class about this topic. Tell everyone where they can get more of this info. 
Absolutely. So we'll start with the basics. So intuitive eating guide, if you want to get started, you can go to my website, stephaniedozi.com slash intuitive eating guide, and I'll send you the link also. So that's one step. We'll have that. Yeah. The other thing is we're going to have a class on June the 19th. And it's going to be a kind of a live workshop, webinar, slash, all of that. And we're going to go through the five steps for you to find your health, for you to find intuitive eating and what's holding you back. So I would invite everybody here. Mm-hmm. They want to come on June the 19th, grab your intuitive eating guide, and also listen to the podcast, Going Beyond the Food Show. So much good information and make sure you're following Steph on Instagram. We'll have all this linked in the show notes so you can click right on it, but she's just a wealth of knowledge. If you're not already listening to her podcast, you're definitely missing out. Going Beyond the Food Show, go find that and make sure you get that guide too. That will be the start of the journey. And really anyone listening, you've all been on a diet because you're all here. So you all need it. We all need it. So let's get started with it. And I want to say to all of you listening, if as much as it might feel scary, everything that we talked about today, that fear that you're feeling, that anxiety of going, quote, there, is only an emotion, right? And in most cases, that emotion, that feeling, that fear, that anxiety is not a sign that there's danger for you. It's simply a sign that there is growth on the other side. Mm, so powerful. You are just the best. Take this as a sign for you to grow. Oh, I love it. You are the best. Thank you so much for coming on for the third time. Thank you for having me and sharing all your knowledge. I love you so much. And we'll be in touch. Yes, 